You're gonna need a bigger boat. What a day! What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And in case you can't tell from the sound quality, we are back in my studio doing our recording from here again. No more recording over the internet. I'm not going to miss that one bit. <laughs> no, I won't miss it either, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I think that one, that, uh, that got to be a little cumbersome sometimes. Agreed. <clears throat> but uh, I guess we're kicking off our uh, uh, superhero month a little early because we forgot there were there was another uh, Friday in the month of May. So uh, we're starting our talk of uh, obscure superhero movies. <laughs> and today we're kicking things off with a movie from 2009 starring Woody Harrelson, Elias uh, Cotius, I guess that's how you say it. Uh, Michael Kelly, Sandra Oh, and Kat Dennings. Written and directed by Peter Stebbings. This is Defendor. Not Defender, Defendor. I tell you, the, the uh, autocorrect on my on my laptop was giving me absolute hell during, during this whole movie. <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I just put kept putting D yeah, in that, my notes. That may, maybe that's what I should have done. That would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> I was like, every time, I was like, did you mean Defender? Like, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, but uh, this movie has a Rotten Critics, Rotten to Rotten Critics, Rotten Tomato Critics score of 74% and an audience score of 58%. That's quite a, quite a margin there. Yeah, a little um, And from what I could find, it was made on a budget of $4 million Canadian specifically Canadian. Right. I think this whole movie was made in Ontario. I found that. Um, yeah. Uh, and the only, all it brought in was $44,462. Yeah, that's not good. I don't know how, what kind of release this guy. Well, Obviously not a big one. I looked on, from from what I could find on Wikipedia, it said Sony bought the dis- the distribution rights, but decided not to release it in North American theaters. Oh, which, okay. Why would you do that? I don't understand why anyone would do that. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Uh, just to clarify though that four million Canadian. I looked it up just to see. Mm-hmm. It's about two point eight million of you US. Know, U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. So this is a really low budget movie. Yes. Honest to goodness, low budget movie. Um, I remember hearing about this one back when it came out, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and the trailer for it had a guy dressed as a you know wannabe superhero using using uh, weapons like marbles and jars of hornets and so jar, jars of wasps or something like that and i was like oh this looks amazing but i just never got around to seeing it this was you think about it this crazy enough this was actually before the whole giant superhero craze this was i think maybe the first iron man movie had come out but i don't know if thor or any of those others had, others had come out yeah so i don't think so i think this was before the marvel mcu was a thing um but uh, yeah, from what I could see, it looked like the uh, the the critics either really liked it or kind of didn't like it because they they said the movie had kind of an uneven pacing or uneven uh, story, which I kind of can agree with, or maybe maybe it was unfocused was the term that they used because like it's it's billed as a Canadian American yeah, specifically Canadian American superhero comedy drama. That's a that's a lot to uh to to fit into one movie, I think. Yeah. I think maybe they should have dropped one of those. <laughs> um but do you have any in, other in, interesting information for this one? There wasn't a whole lot I could find. I did see something that said Ellen Page was rumored to be in this. Oh, really? But she ended up going to be in Super the following year after this instead. So. Oh. Hint for upcoming episode. <laughs> oh, man. So without further ado, let's get into this Canadian-American superhero comedy drama. It's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. 
Um, Woody Harrelson, this was like really before I had seen a lot of stuff with him in it. Um, so, I mean, of course, once, uh, once true detective came out and stuff like that, I absolutely loved him ever since then. But, uh, so this one starts with him, Arthur, his uh, Arthur Poppington, I believe, was yes. his name. Yeah. Is this uh, the name of Defend? Is Defendor's real name? Um, this movie starts off with him in an orange jumpsuit, talking to Sandra O, oh, who is uh, Doctor Ellen Park, getting a psyche val, and he assaulted someone named Mister Dubrovkowitz. Sm- he smashed up his dry cleaning business. <laughs> Like what? What? Uh, what kind of superhero does that kind of stuff? I mean, I think I know. I know people like to launder money. I think he might have taken it a little too literally. Um, I could be wrong, but um, she asks him why he did that, and he just says, "Top secret." Yep. And then we cut to him climbing on top of a building via like a utility truck, like a bucket truck. Right. You know, yep. he's like the like the power company would use, and he's dressed all in black. With a duct tape D on his shirt. And I love his line right here. I think it's right here. You might have something before that. I got the lookout termites. It's squishing time. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. Because he, he's watching these. He's watching a few hookers from the roof of this building. And that's what he says. All right, termites. It's squishing time. So some guy in, 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 in his car basically starts to assault this hooker. That's in there with him. And Defender jumps from the roof of the building down into a dumpster. And, of course, the guy's like, what the hell was that? But doesn't see anything. And we see Defender in the dumpster. And he's like, garbage days. Remember garbage days? Because the dumpster was empty. <laughs> like, yeah, you never think about Batman doing something like that. You know, jumping into a, an empty dumpster. Now, did you recognize this guy? The the cop? Yes. No, I didn't. I I... Elias Cotius? Yeah. Casey Jones from the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Every time I see him. Oh, jeez, man. the first thing I think of. I saw that like one time, like 15, 16 years ago. So. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's that's the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater. So Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, well, that's cool. I didn't know that. Uh, I was wondering why he was why he was so high up in the, uh, the billing here. Um, but no, like... Um, so, so Defender knocks on his on his window, and the guy reveals that he's a cop, Detective Dooney, and he has this, and he looks at Defender, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And Defender just goes, "Your worst nightmare," and then throws a handful of marbles at him. Yep. <laughs> he like, I think he hits him a few times with this like club of some kind that he's got, and he says, "I want Captain Industry," and he's like, "Who the who the fuck are you talking to? What what? Who are you talking about?" And so Defender, so he just starts beating the hell out of this cop. Next, we see him getting pancakes, still in his outfit and makeup, like at an all-night diner. And he's, <laughs> yes. he, he says something like, oh, yeah, I'm just taking a break. I'm going to go, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to fill up and then go get back to crime fighting or something. But this cop car pulls up outside and these cops come in and their radios calling out his description. <laughs> and one of the cops is like, oh, shit, that's him. <laughs> So of course he gets arrested, and we can see that he has a camera on his uh, on his helmet because he's got this like yeah um, helmet with like a flashlight and a camera on the side of it. Um, so now we see the cops that are going through his stuff, talking about him and what an interesting character he is. And this is where we meet Captain Fairbanks, who's like I guess his uh, his version of uh, um, Commissioner Gordon. Oh yes. <laughs> Commissioner Gordon from him. Um, and he purposely goes by Defendor. He And he flips out if anyone gets his name wrong. It's Defendor. So it's not that he can't spell. It's just he chooses to spell it wrong. I yeah, guess. and I think he flips out because I think it's safe to say Arthur, I guess what you call on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I thought about him too. Like he might be autistic. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I, I mean, he's definitely functioning. He can he's in a functioning adult, but he does flip out over little things in this movie, and I, right. I think we're supposed to assume he's on the spectrum. Right. Um, he has some kind of that the club he had was some kind of World War One era club. He says he got from his grandfather, um, and whenever. 
whenever the commission, whenever um, Captain Fairbanks is like, did you beat up one of my guys? And he's like, no. He says, you break the law, you're a punk. You wear a badge and you break the law, you're a punk with a badge. I don't beat up cops, you know. Um, he's got so many of these lines, like these like t- uh, uh, stereotypical superhero lines. Some of them are really good. Um, yeah, a lot of times listening to him talking this stuff and like the jumping in the dumpster and everything, he reminds me of the Tick. I know, <laughs> and you need to—I need to have you sit down and watch the live-action Tick specifically because it reminds me of that. I'm not familiar with the cartoon, so I can't compare it to that. But I, I'm not even familiar with the cartoon, honestly. Okay, <laughs> um, that was one of those that I remember when it was on TV. I just never actually watched it. Um, so yeah. Now the cops are like, I think he's he's kind of harmless. So just let let's let him go and um, and just uh, take his stuff and take his uh, his trench club is what he calls it, um, and give him back all of his gear. Now I like this because the the cops let like they they leave the door unlocked, but he immediately gets to like thinking he needs to break out. So what does he do? He chews up a wad of gum and sticks it in the. Now first of all, this thing has like one of those old school like skeleton keyholes in there um so he like puts the gum in there and then sticks this little firecracker in there and pop and like doesn't even do anything but now he then he opens the door and he leaves but, but he thinks it's so loud like he's coughing to try to cover it up so nobody hears the yeah little firecracker I, I guess that's what he was doing yeah i couldn't figure out why he was coughing either oh i thought he was doing it to cover the noise because he thought it was being loud oh maybe maybe uh so next morning he wakes up in this dingy, at first I thought it was some kind of an apartment, but then I find it, then, then it's like, no, it's like a boiler room. It's like a, like a maintenance area or something. And he, yeah, some kind of workshop. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of workshop and the door, the sign on the door, you know, there's like a stay out, do not enter sign, but it says defend door that he's written on <laughs> the underneath it with like a Sharpie or something. Um, Next we see him, he's back out into the night doing his work. He gets in the bucket truck from earlier and there's, it looks like a Mack truck. So there's like a dog on the, on the hood, but he, the hood ornament, but it's called defend dog. <laughs> so we've got defend door and defend door and defend dog. I, I, I kind of wish they're there. They had kept up with that, but those are the only defender jokes we get in this, in this, in this movie. Um, now we see the cop from earlier, Dooney, and this time he's harassing some kid who is tagging a wall, you know, spray painting. And Defender shows up again. This time he throws a jar of angry wasps on the ground. And the, uh, the good- did you get his line before he does this though? Oh, what did he say? He's like, "You need a ghostwriter, because that's what you're going to be after I pulverize you." <laughs> <laughs> He's got so many great lines in this movie. I didn't have time to write all of them. I don't think I have them all either. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, now the goons are chasing after him, and he kind of gets cornered. And uh, now we have more marble throwing, but the goons get the drop on him and just beat the shit out of him while some hooker who's smoking a pipe of some kind watches from a distance. Yes. I love that he thinks that his defend dog is going to be the one that's helping. He's like, turn on the lights, dog. Turn on the lights. He's beating on the... And finally, he hits the truck. The lights come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the... (laughs) He thinks it's like the Batmobile, but it's very obviously (laughs) not. Um, Now, we see some kid who's laying in bed pretending to be asleep when his mother comes in to wake him. She looks like a junkie and probably a prostitute. Um, Says she has to go away for a while to make some cash. And we now it starts flipping back and forth between old, you know, present day, where this hooker who just watched him get beat up is trying to help him to his feet, and then back, you know, this is younger Arthur. We can assume mom yep. says she'll be back in a couple of months, and she says wherever I am because it's nighttime. She shows, she looks out the window at the moon. Wherever I am, just look at that moon and know that we're together and all this stuff. And she's she's really not happy to be leaving. <laughs> now, um. Present day, this this hooker, it goes with him back to his secret base. And I immediately recognized this hooker's voice. I was like, I know that voice. Who is that? And, of course, this is Kat Dennings. Or, um, Dennings? Dennings? Yes, okay. Dennings. Um, and I knew I recognized that name, but I couldn't put, I couldn't, uh, put a name or put a place with it until she started talking. And I've realized she was the voice of Leah Birch on Big Mouth. We all know how much I like Big Mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, 
That, that was uh, the character, uh, Nick's older sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. The one it also that... looked like she said it said she was the hormone monstrous. That's what it said on the IMDb, but I don't I don't know if that's right mm. or not. She might um she she might have been a different one. I think she, because you mean I think it said I think it said Lorraine, not the main one. Lorraine, okay, okay. The remember um well, sidetrack. Remember in season two where they all went to the hormone department in okay. the last episode, and, yeah. and Maury was trying to hit on that. I think that was that, the, the hormone right. monstrous okay. they were talking about. You can tell I've seen that show a few times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she was Leah Birch from uh, Big Mouth. Now he is now Defender is spitting up blood and teeth, and um, this girl tells her tells him her name is Angel, and she was the same hooker from the beginning of the movie that that went uh, whenever he beat up Dooney the first time. Yep. She um, she's smoking something, and he's like that stuff's bad, and she says, "Well, what your mama tell you that?" and <laughs> He's like, no, not really, but she might as well have. She's because she died. So now Angel is gonna crash at his place for a few days because her meal ticket, quote unquote, is a little pissed off right now. I guess that's doc, uh, uh, Detective Dooney that she's right, talking right. about. Like, yeah. is he? Like, I don't know if he was her pimp or what. Um, now she's looking through all of his stuff while he's passed out, and there are a lot of comic books and. Uh, He's got a first issue of some comic, and she takes it. She thinks, oh, this has got to be worth something. Next day, he is at actual work. And he's like, works on a road crew, like standing there holding the stop sign. Um, And his boss, uh, whose name is Paul, sees how bad he's busted up and takes him to the hospital. Now, this actor, I cannot remember his name, but I know him. He was in... um, This was the Michael Kelly guy you mentioned. Okay, that was Michael Kelly. Yeah, he was in... uh, um, House of Cards. That was the thing I recognize him from the most. He's been in other stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, but I I just know him the most for being Doug Stamper in House of Cards. Um, God, that show had a terrible ending. Uh, (laughs) I have not seen it. So, um, So Paul takes him to the hospital, and Arthur is like, yeah, there were like... 10 or 12 guys, yeah. <laughs> not, not three. I think, I think it was three. Yeah. Um, now Paul's wife and son show up and they brought him food. So like, you kind of get the idea that, that they're, that this is kind of, you know, a friend of the family, kind of a situation where they, you know, know something's not right with him, but they kind of look out for him anyways. Right. Um, and now when they when they take Arthur in to get examined, she asks her son, what does this teach us? And he's like, next time, have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Captain Fairbanks is uh, talking on the phone about some kind of an inside operation. He's running on some biker gang and Dooney shows up and, you know, he asks about this operation, this supposedly secret operation. And, and Fairbanks denies it. Now, back at Defender's Place, he's making a new shirt. A new shirt with more duct tape D on it. Uh, And he tells Angel that he's looking for Captain Industry. He says Captain Industry smuggles drugs. And Angel says she probably knows him. Mentioned some guy named Radovan Kristic. Big time bad guy. Said he was like Serbian... She said Serbian militia? But I guess she meant Serbian mafia or something? Um, I don't know. Possibly. She says he was, or she was his favorite girl for a little while. She's been to his house. She knows where he is. So this guy's pretty untouchable. He's, he's not a, not just some street level punk. Um, he wants to know where this guy lives. And Angel says that information isn't free. So we cut to Dr. Park and Dr. Park is like, you paid $40 a day for this information. <laughs> and he's like, you think that's too expensive? <laughs> So back at his place, he's asleep, and Angel comes in. Now she's wearing a different wig. That's why I didn't recognize it the second time you saw her, because she was a brunette in the beginning of the movie, and then she was a blonde, and um, she she wears a different wig all the time. Uh, True. I I guess because I know her as an actress, like an actual live-action actress, uh, I recognize her easily. Okay, yeah. I didn't recognize her the second time. Um, So yeah, back at his place... She comes in wearing a different wig and she starts opening one of his boxes like it's just a like a package or something he got in the mail. It's some kind of like kid's spy gear and he catches her and she freaks out and kind of gives him his comic book back and says it wasn't worth anything. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't steal. Like it's like this this character of Angel is kind of I don't know. She's like 
I don't know, she's supposed to be like the, uh, the kind of the, uh, reluctant sidekick to him, but she never really, like, not until almost like the very end of the movie, she seems like she's really that interested in helping him. Um, now he gets back in bed, lays down, and she lays down too, but like, not like spooning or anything, like they're back to back. And we find out that her name is Katarina Dabrovkowitz. So we already know there's a connection between her and Mr. Dabrovkowitz we've mentioned earlier. Right. Um, he asks her why she lies, and she says she's good at it. And she used to be good at English class. She used to get A's in English. He's like, oh, you should be a writer like Lois Lane. So now they're talking more about Captain Industry. Turns out she doesn't know exactly where Captain Industry's house is because she was blindfolded. But she said she could smell stables and hear airplanes. So now we see... Dooney dropping this girl off at this nice house and this girl was blindfolded and she's terrified and he's just like yeah go on inside they're waiting for you yeah just you know be good and we see two guys in a van listening to this conversation so we can assume they're cops as well now later that night Arthur and Angel are driving around and she says if he wants to find Captain Industry she should talk to Dooney now, uh, we get like a little uh, montage. montage here because uh, she's helping him, you know, get ready. He's in, he's practicing with a slingshot. <laughs> she's He's practicing his superhero lines in the mirror yeah. while he's putting on his makeup. He, he's putting his arm in. He's got like a tank of these wasps so that he can have them ready. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you're going to get stung. He's like, no, I'm not. And of course, he gets stung. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> like, I couldn't do that. Like, I, I couldn't either. I couldn't either. Mm-mm. <laughs> Now, um, here again, we see Dooney getting into his car and Defender or Defender shoots him with a slingshot a few times and then knocks him out. And Dooney wakes up duct taped and handcuffed <laughs> to a boiler. And uh, I love what he I love it. Yeah, this this part was great because Dooney starts going on. Oh, you got a fucking death wish, man. You don't know who you're messing with. And Defender just sprays him in the eyes with lime, lime. juice. <laughs> Hey, that would burn. That would burn. Oh, God, that would suck. And, it, and it's like one of those little plastic limes like you, yep. you, you buy at the grocery store. Oh, I remember as a kid, like, when my grandma would have one of those or whatever, and I would just take it and squeeze some in my mouth, and it would always make me, ah, oh, cringe, and then I'd have to do it again. It's <laughs> like I had to challenge myself for some reason. Uh, when I uh, when I worked at Chipotle, uh, they used to, uh, or they would put um, this... Uh, lemon lime juice in their rice whenever they were making it and like i used to like when we were like before we'd open like because they kept it in like a big milk jug i used to go back there and just like take a shot of it like (laughs) every once in a while because yeah i've always liked sour stuff i don't know why um so oh yeah and uh so dooney still isn't talking and then defender gets out a nutcracker and it's not like the kind that's the little not not the little uh, soldier-looking guys, but, like, the actual metal things you squeeze together. And he starts breaking fingers. And uh, at, at this point, he's, like, near the airplanes, near the smell of poo. Like, where? He's still, that's all he has to go on. And Kat is listening to all this from upstairs. She's listening to this guy getting interrogated. So he must have gotten the address from Dooney because the next thing we see is him sneaking up on to the nice house from earlier. And uh, he's not doing a very good job of it because he like almost knocks over this big potted plant and stuff. And it's it's like, it, no, it wasn't nighttime. It was it was it was daylight earlier. Um, so we see a guy through the window. This he's you know got a couple of hookers with him, and Arthur starts recording the video of the guy inside, and he's showing. Now, now later, Defender is showing Cat this 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 footage, and she's not impressed. She's like, "We got to get you, like you know, we got to get a video of this guy doing something really bad." Um, now Arthur asks her why she does drugs and says she's a nice person. And she's like, you don't know me. And the drugs, she says, help her forget stuff. Uh, She smokes for the same reason that he dresses up as a superhero, according to her. It makes her feel better. So, um, we get a radio broadcast about crime. You know, while we're seeing this next scene, there's a, a radio broadcast about crime in the city and that this 15-year-old kid got caught with a gun in his locker and turns out he was running crack for the biker gangs. And, you see, we keep hearing about these biker gangs, but we never actually see them. 
or anything. Uh, now, Defender is sneaking around on the rooftops again, and we see black SUVs pulling up to this building and guys in suits getting out. So, you know, typical gangster stuff. And um, then he, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, now, this is uh, this is Radovan, and he is meeting with Dooney. Radovan, the big uh, S- Serbian bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, and they talk about this shipment, this container full of girls and drugs that are coming in and defender is recording this conversation. There's like this, this kind of like green glass part because it's happening in a restaurant. There's like green glass partition that he's kind of like hiding behind. Then he accidentally knocks it over and everyone just kind of looks over like, what the fuck? Where'd he come from? Um, and of course he bolts and the bad guys give chase. He jumps in another. He jumps into can. another dumpster <laughs> that Dooney decides to stop and smoke beside, and he's smoking the same stuff that Angel is. And while Defender continues to hide, Radovan is not happy that he got away and tells Dooney to kill this fly, quote unquote. <laughs> now Defender shows up at Captain Fairbanks' desk to, and shows him the tape, but he's got all these different tapes of like this one they order pizza. <laughs> And this one, they order Chinese. Yeah. And this one, they order... Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and Fairbanks like, okay, this this isn't really what we need. Uh, we can't use this as evidence. Like They have to go through official channels. Now, Defender manages to actually do the whole disappearing Batman thing. Where, like, <laughs> Fairbanks is... Yeah, he, like, <laughs> he yeah. like turns his back for a second and then turns around and Defender's gone. Yeah. Yep. So it's like good you know, points for him to be able to do that. Cause that, that, that's probably like one of the hardest things Batman does. Um, so back at his secret base, he, he asks cat to get more tapes. And as she's leaving, she runs into Arthur's boss. So he, he just sees this hooker leaving from, <laughs> yeah. from, from this place that he doesn't even know. Like we walk in there and he's like, Arthur, have you been living here? So he didn't even know that no, Arthur was no. staying at this place. Because this is like basically his workshop. He works out. Yeah. Seems like. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't know that Arthur's been living there. He says he's been, he says he could get in serious trouble for having him live there. Um, and he he's like, okay, just be careful. So he gives Arthur a cell phone so he can speed dial him if he needs help. Um, now we cut back to, I guess, present time. Dr. Park says she has a theory for why people like him because he's honest and kind and he cares for people. And she asks again, why did he assault Mr. Dubrovkowitz? And we cut back to Arthur and Kat. They're going to find more tapes. Now, this was in 2009. I'm trying to remember when the last time I saw videotape was. Well, they do bring that up. They, so, they do bring so, that So, I mean, up. they address that. So yeah. it's not like they just over, you know, overlook <laughs> yeah. it. So, um... <laughs> Now, they walk past this dry cleaner that was mentioned earlier, and Kat just stands there for a second and stares in the window at her father. And he just kind of stares out the window at her. Like, he's not like, oh, my gosh, it's my daughter. Right. It's not It's not one of those where it's like, oh, where have you been? I've missed yeah. you. Or I've been worried. He's just kind of like, <laughs> don't don't you come in what here. What do you want? <laughs> don't come in here. Yeah. yeah. And, and Defender tells her, he's like, I didn't know you had a father. <laughs> And yeah. she's like, everybody has a father. And he's like, I don't. <laughs> she's like, just because you didn't know him, you still had one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so back at his base, she comes in with, <laughs> this, this was great. She comes in here with a box of porno VHS tapes and says he can use those. He's just looking at him like, what the hell am I supposed to do with these? He's like, hey, it's, it's hard to find It's hard to find cassette v- VHS tapes nowadays. So that 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 sold it for me. I'm yeah. like, they addressed the situation. Yes, yeah, they VHS did. weren't common in 2009. And this was this was probably before <laughs> any kind of uh, um, GoPro cameras or anything like that were, were, were normal or were easily accessible. So, yeah, that makes sense that he would be... Uh, he would be using this old ass thing that like basically walking around with a VCR on his hip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, now she, uh, she starts to light up whatever this, I think, can't remember what she said she's smoking, but it's like this little glass cigarette full of something. Um, and he tells her that she should spend the money on a typewriter like Lois Lane. (laughs) So she could be a writer like Lois Lane. Now, next thing, he's back out in Defendog looking for Dooney and his goons. And uh, he finds them and gets into a fight. He wins, but he gets stabbed in the process. 
Now, Radavan's two goons show up, and one of them starts to fight him. And he's, and, um, but, but the guy's like, you're in way over your head. Stay down. Like He gets close to him and, and whispers that. But of course, Arthur doesn't. Now, this guy pulls a gun, and Arthur dials Paul and put in... You know, he speed dials Paul. So whenever the goon shoots him, Paul hears everything. Um, but we know Arthur can't really be dead because basically up to this point, this whole movie's been a flashback. I hate when movies do that. They like try to fake out, you know, oh, he's dead. No, he's not. We, we still haven't gotten back to present day yet. Now, uh, Paul shows up at the shop and asks Kat where Arthur is. So she's like, he went out to make a movie. Now they go find Arthur in an alley and... Doctor, now we cut back to Dr. Park, and she's asking if he was scared. And he's like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't scared. Now, when he gets hurt really bad, he goes to a nice place, like a good memory. And I'm wondering about this, because he remembers, like, looking at G.I. Joe comics, and his grandpa <laughs> um, asked him, like, can you read that? And he's like, G.I. And then does, and then and his grandpa's like, Joe, oh, it, it's about time you learned to read. I'm like, that, how was that? Good memory. <laughs> seemed like a good Your memory. Your grandpa's an asshole. <laughs> um, we find out he was actually shot with paintballs. That is why he was. Was, was it paintballs yeah, or were they paint rubber? Okay. He said paintballs. Okay, well, yeah, now Arthur is in surgery, but yeah, there's no bullet wounds. There's just some bad bruises. He was shot with, I guess, paintballs. I thought it said rubber bullets. Um, yeah, maybe you which I'm right, like, man. which you're like, what kind of, what kind of goon carries rubber bullets? So we know <laughs> that that guy was probably the cop that they put undercover. Um, now, um, Paul is outside in the hallway waiting and he tells, talking, talking with Kat and he just tells her to stay away from Arthur. <laughs> and, um, he's in the hospital bed and Kat comes in to see him. He's asleep, but she starts talking to him and she's like, what kind of superhero gets beat up all the time? <laughs> She says she's good at running away, so she's going to leave him alone now. The whole Captain Industry thing is too big for us. She says if he wants to beat up criminals, he should go after her dad. and he Because he macks on kids. Or he macked on me. So I'm guessing that means molested. Right. <laughs> who, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Who knows? Um, she pulls a little stamp out of her bag and puts a smiley face on his <laughs> cast, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, now, as soon as she leaves, he wakes up. He's been faking sleep this whole time, just like he did when he was a kid when you saw that flashback earlier. Um, now, back at Radovan's place, he gets, a, he gets a phone call saying Arthur is still alive and his guy that shot him is a cop. Now, at this time, it cuts to uh, Dooney knocking on the door of the van outside with the guys inside of it, and he blows both of them away with a shotgun. And inside, we see Radovan shooting his goon because he's like, I know you're a cop. Pow. Now, bad guy shows up in Arthur's room dressed as an orderly, but Arthur (laughs) isn't in his bed. There's a mop there instead. I love this because Arthur, still in his hospital (laughs) gown, goes back to this mall or wherever it was they saw this this, uh, dry cleaner and beats the shit out of Kat's dad. Like, puts him through the window and leaves him in the garbage can. It was, like, really (laughs) comical because, like, both his legs were, like, sticking straight up in the air. Like something from Looney Tunes. Um, And he leaves him in the garbage can and now we cut finally up to present day where he's like, he knew he was garbage. He wanted to go in there. I barely did anything. (laughs) And, um... At this point, Arthur tells Dr. Park that Captain Industry killed his mother. We see young Arthur talking to Grandpa again. He says that he hates the drugs and the people who do them. And Grandpa says that he should hate the pushers instead, the the captains of industry. So that's where we get the whole Captain Industry thing from. Um, He says, and, and Arthur says, as long as he's free, there are other mothers in danger. Now in court, this Arthur, was crazy to me what, that the, they that they put him in this glass yeah, case. Yeah, they put him in like a Hannibal Lecter <laughs> bulletproof glass case to put him in the uh, little holes. I was like, really? Are you that worried about this guy? <laughs> yeah, this like, guy. I don't know. I I don't think that that may be something they just made up for the movie. I don't know if anyone's ever actually done that in prison. Yeah, I would think they have to. Um, that seemed a little over over the top. <laughs> yeah. Now in court, he refuses representation. And Paul, but Paul stands up and he says that he's known Arthur for about five years. Arthur's a good guy, but he thinks he's a superhero. 
So the judge offers a psych eval. As Paul is leaving the court, a woman who is a reporter says her story could help Arthur in the court of public opinion. So now his face is in all kind of newspapers and the graffiti kid from earlier starts tagging his face and name on the side of this building. And, um, we, you know, all these, we hear all these people talking about Defendor and stuff like that. Uh, hear the radio guy. Again yeah. Hear the radio guy again, talking about Defendor. Now, Dr. Park is finishing up her report and Arthur asks if putting Kat's dad in the trash was wrong. And she's like, there were probably better ways to handle people like that. Now, the judge says he can't put him back on the streets. He ruined an 18-month sting operation. Ugh, that sucks. Um, yeah. Arthur can leave, but he has to live with Paul and can't be Defender anymore. And whenever the judge tells Arthur that, he freaks. Yes. He freaks so bad the guard has to taser him. Um, now, Paul gets him to calm down eventually. Now, but so like next, uh, we see Dooney out and he he's like shaking down junkies because he needs a hit i guess when he gets approached by cat she finds him and she says she wants to come back and he asks where arthur is and when she says she doesn't know he slaps her he tells her to get in the car just like old times quote unquote <laughs> now radavan says they have to lay low till the container comes in but dooney thinks they need to kill defender and one of Dooney's goons gives Arthur a message while he's working. It's a picture of Cat. Now, uh, uh, gives Ar- um, it's a picture of Cat with the words "talk and she dies." Yep. So now Arthur is kind of um, just sitting there talking to Paul's kid, or Paul's kid is doing all the talking. Talk, yeah, he's just sitting he, he's on just the sitting swing. on the he's swing. He's been there set. for a while. Yeah, he just <laughs> and he doesn't say anything anymore. Is it? And the kid asks, "Is it because he's sad that he can't be defender anymore?" And Arthur still isn't talking. The kid goes inside to get ready for bed, and Arthur just looks at the picture of Cat. And he's just sitting on the swing, not saying or doing anything. And Paul comes out to talk to him, reminds him of the time he saved his son's life from getting hit by a car. And Paul says he doesn't need a cape or superpowers to do good and extraordinary things. So Paul's kid playing around in a cape and saying he's Defender, but Arthur looks up and sees the moon and is like, no, I'm Defender. <laughs> and when the kid looks toward Arthur again, he's gone. Oh. So there's the vanishing Batman thing He's got again. that one down. He's got that down pretty good. That's probably his best superpower, being able to sneak away that quietly. <laughs> um, now we see Cat is tied up, still being held by Dooney. She's like laying on this little cot in the back room of some restaurant And he says it's just for a few more days, then she can get back to work as usual. Now, he implies he wants her to go down on him. And she's like, well, can you untie me first? And this is where he does like the dumbest thing. Like, how did you live long enough to become a detective or whatever it is you are? He puts his gun on the table. And when they start making out, she reaches and grabs it and shoots him in the dick. Like, that was pretty stupid of you. Like, did you not notice her making that really long reach to get to your gun? Like, were you that eager to get your rocks off that you couldn't even notice that? Maybe he was high. He's always smoking. Yeah, he's always smoking. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe his his judgment was impaired. Um, Now, when she's running away, she finds Arthur and she's like, I shot him, Arthur. I shot Dooney in the balls. And he just goes, (laughs) good girl. (laughs) Now, he still wants to go after Captain Industry, and he knows that the shipment Radovan talked about is coming in tonight. And he's like, oh, bullets don't hurt me. And she, because she's worried about him. She's like, you're going to get yourself killed. She finally realizes, you know, that he's a really guy, really nice guy, and she cares about him. Yeah, he literally um, says the bullets will bounce off him. Yeah, bullets and, don't hurt him. And he believes him. it. He believes it totally, because those bullets, those quote-unquote bullets earlier did. Right. Um, now, she, she pulls a gun and threatens to shoot him if he doesn't stop. Of course she can't. So she kisses him instead and she gives him the gun until remember you have five shots. Yeah. I've got five shots. Um, now he tells captain Fairbanks about the shipment coming in and Fairbanks goes to tell one of his guys that they need to go check on this. But when he returns to Arthur again, pull the disappearing (laughs) Batman thing. Like, is there, is there, are they, are they like on the ground floor? So he can just like crawl out of a window whenever he needs to. I saw, (laughs) This is, there's an old YouTube video. I think it's called Damn You, Batman, or something like that. It's a, it's a great skit about, you know, just Batman being Batman and <laughs> how he always sneaks out. That's one of the things Commissioner Gordon asks him. Um, 
Now, this was great because uh, well, well, we see Kat and she's thinking about him and then she feels guilty and leaves. I guess she's going after him. Um, at the docks, he's driving up to the gate or wherever they are in Defend Dog, and he's like dropping all these flares yeah, yeah. out the window, I guess, so people can follow him if, if the cops are following him. But then he like drops a lit flare in the rest of the box, and I'm like, is that going to explode? <laughs> and no, it just makes like smoke come pouring out of the cab of this truck. And he like, you know, does the whole tuck and roll oh. jump out of the truck while it's moving, but it doesn't keep going. It just kind of slowly <laughs> stops and kind of comes to a halt. But then when the thing is one of the sides pop open and releasing all these marbles. Yeah. <laughs> like the, like it's got the toolboxes on the back and what, yeah, one of them falls open and this, all these marbles come out. Like, where did he get all of these marbles from? Did he like, is there like a place where you can just order a surplus of marbles? Oh, I come from a uh, Marbles R Us. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right, probably, or some 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 crappy gift shop and some uh, tourist some uh, tourist trap somewhere. Um, yeah, and then there are more bees in the other side. Like he even made a Molotov cocktail. Now, for a second, it looked like he had made it out of like a bottle of Listerine. So I was wondering if when he threw it, it wasn't going to break. But no, it does. It breaks and you know goes everywhere. Now, the you know. <laughs> these this this guy is kind of like trying to sneak up on him and he instead of using the gun to shoot the guy he throws the gun at him and knocks him out but then Radavan shows up with a gun and he tells Radavan you know Arthur just tells Radavan the bullets don't hurt him and Cat arrives at the fence just in time to see Radavan shoot Arthur and she at, at first I thought she ran away but I guess she was try- just trying to find an entrance or a way to get in the fence. But but then we see two cop cars heading towards the dock. As Arthur is laying on the ground, he says, You killed my mother. Her name was Faye. And, and Radovan goes, Faye? Well, God forgives me. Goodbye, fly. Go in peace now. Now Radovan starts to walk away and Arthur tries to get up. And... Radovan asks what her last name was, but then Arthur hits Radovan with the trench club a couple of times. Um, and uh, did uh, I think Rad- did Radovan shoot him again? Or yeah, did- he okay. shot, he yeah, shot, shot him, him again. again. Yeah. Um, and as he's laying there, Cat is running up towards Arthur. As the cop cars pull up behind her, Radovan tries to make a getaway, but gets stopped by the cops. And we can see them having a shootout in the background. And Cat kneels beside Arthur and he's trying to tell and trying to tell him that everything's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And he's like, he just says, don't do drugs and get a typewriter. I'll see you on the moon as he dies. And the camera pans up to the moon and we hear the radio announcer again, taking calls from all these people talking about Defendor as we see different shots of people holding flowers and candles and they're all leaving gifts at the big mural that that graffiti artist tagged earlier. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a pretty fitting ending. Um, and we see different newspaper clippings hung up on the wall with different headlines about Dooney being yeah. sentenced and Radovan being extradited by the Hague. And we find, and you you hear a, a typewriter typing as as we see in this, and then of course the camera pulls back, and we see that it's Cat who's typing up on this typewriter, and we and briefly she sees this bee buzzing around her, and then the bee just buzzes straight towards the camera and fade to black. Roll credits. <clears throat> so, did you did you apart from what I had told you, did you know anything about this movie going into it? I had not seen a trailer. I do remember seeing this. Cover art. Okay. Probably browsing around like a family video or something. Yeah. See, I don't even remember seeing this like on DVD or of course I was, I think I might've been, no, I was still living in the States when it came out. Yeah. I think that's why I said, I don't think I saw it in the stores. I think I saw it like at the video rental place. Cause I, right. I, I, I remember the cover for it and was like, Woody Harrelson as a superhero. That's <laughs> seems odd and i told myself the same thing that oh i kind of want to see even though i hadn't even i didn't even read the back or anything and hadn't seen a trailer but i still kind of wanted to see it but just never got around to it yeah well i agree that it seemed a little inconsistent in its tone because like it it couldn't decide if it wanted to be like really goofy and funny or kind of serious with him you know being kind of like an autistic homeless person basically who who moonlights as a if if it had just been a guy who's like, I don't know, just kind of goofy and not so bright, 
not necessarily mental, not necessarily like with a mental disorder or something. That could have been a lot funnier. But I think, of course, the way the way Woody Harrelson played him, he played him so well. He, he you really believe that this guy might be, you know, not retarded, but like you said, maybe autistic or right. on the spectrum somewhere. Yeah. Um, and that le- I guess. I guess his acting made it a little hard to laugh at sometimes because, like, you really think, like, wow, this guy could be, he could be for real. There could be someone out there like this. Right. Uh, um, oh, what was it? it was a, there was an old, uh, it was an episode of an old TV show called Now and Again. I don't know if you remember it or not, but um, it was just dumb late 90s, early 2000s TV. But there was this one episode where, yeah, this kid was like, he was, he was like an, you know, young adult, but he had like the brain of a 10 year old, maybe, or mm. maybe even younger okay. than that. But, uh, he, he thought he was a superhero and, um, you know, he tried to tackle a bad guy and ended up getting shot. So mm. like that, that's a little, it kind of felt like that. Right. Parts okay. of this movie kind of, and parts of it were really funny. I wish they could have like spent more time on his, you know, improvised superhero gadgets other because like all we see are like bees and um marbles and, marbles. and we and see his him, trench club his trench club and a slingshot one time yeah like i really wish that, like they could have done a lot like just really funny stuff with you know i don't know i, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head but i kind of wish they had i wish they had gone more comedy and less drama it was kind of the it's kind of the way i felt um watching uh Shaun of the Dead for the first time because Shaun of the Dead was really funny up to a point and then it got really serious and I'm like I don't like this anymore <laughs> you know when they had to kill Shaun's mom I'm like mm, I don't like this anymore <laughs> um but uh but no overall I think this was a very good movie uh yeah definitely different you know because we're not used to we're, we're used to superhero movies like like when when the first deadpool movie came out they called it low budget and it was 56 million dollars to make that's crazy yeah that's what's considered low budget now um so this was like a infinitesimal budget (laughs) for this movie and for you know and 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 there are times when it really shows because like you you kind of expect this big like explosive shootout kind of thing in the end but it doesn't really happen um but uh, I didn't see that ending. I didn't think they were going to. Kill you didn't him think off. they were going to kill him off. I didn't think off. they were going to kill him off. I I I had a feeling they were going to, because because for some reason like like you want something to kind of like tug at your heartstrings at the end of a movie and to have a character like him go and do something that dangerous and not get killed would probably have been very unrealistic in my opinion. Um, of course, it's a superhero movie, so who cares about realism? <laughs> <laughs> but uh well i think that makes it a realistic superhero movie yeah yeah it kind of does um he did help bring down those people but he paid the ultimate price for in doing so, so. well the ultimate uh selfless sacrifice yeah i think yes. you're right uh which not something you see very often in in um it will in in movies i don't know this this particular kind of a movie kind of defies a genre because it's it's not all one thing or the other so i guess that that's what kind of makes it unique is that there are moments of comedy and moments of you know kind of seriousness too um but um yeah all in all woody harrelson is just a great actor period like um so to see him play this character play him very well i'd love to know some of the things he did to like prepare for this role because like it, that I I really believe that he might be you know mentally handicapped. So, <laughs> but, but no, all in all, good movie. So, uh, what are we talking about next time? What is our next superhero movie, Josh? We're going back a few years. It's a reboot of the Power Rangers. Oh, oh boy. We, and, we, and we're, we're going to have to talk a little bit about the show and the original movie before we get into the reboot talk. So see, just I, be prepared. When I was a kid, my parents would sometimes kind of let me watch the show. Um, but they would never... I guess they didn't like the violence in it, the fighting. 
Um, but I never saw the original movie. And for some reason... Oh, you've never seen the 1995 movie? No, no. I've never seen any of them. I've never seen any of the Power Rangers movies. I wouldn't go past that. So. Um, but for some reason, when I... Because like, I remember the original Power Rangers coming out when I was in like second or third grade. And But when I was in fifth grade, remember Power Rangers Zeo? I remember it, but I had stopped watching by that See, point. See, that was the one I got into for some reason. I don't know why, but I did. And I, that, that was the one I liked for some reason. Um, but no, like what's, what's really interesting is knowing that like the, the first generation Power Rangers we got was like the fifth or sixth generation of the original Japanese show that it was like before that, like it, it had been, it had been over, it had been around over there a lot longer. So since the eighties? I think so. It would have, have to be because we got check the first like, one in 92. Yeah. But I mean, all the action scenes in the original series were from the Japanese shows. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't them in the costumes doing yeah. any of that. So. And uh, I noticed uh, I noticed later in life that uh, the Yellow Ranger, despite being a woman in the uh, in the when when she wasn't in her suit, she the, the Pink Ranger was the only one who had a who had a um, a skirt. <laughs> so uh, there was I there I think. In the original Japanese, the Yellow Ranger was actually a guy. Just I, he might have been gay or just very effeminate. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, that would not have flown in America in 1992. Uh, no, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll talk about that because those costumes are very uh, telling. <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into Power Rangers next week. Okay, looking forward to it. But in the meantime, you can follow us on all of the socials. We're on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We've got a page and a group. Uh, We are open to any kind of uh, recommendations anybody might like. If you've got an obscure movie that that you want to hear us talk about that we've never seen, we'd love to do that. Uh, I'd like to do more of that, kind of like the the, uh, the Requiem for a Dream episode. We've Um, had one for a movie called Rad. But Rad? It, yeah, it's, it's a BMX movie from the 80s, I think. Kind of like, the maybe like the Dirt Bike Kid. Do you, did you ever see the Dirt Bike Kid? I didn't, but that's the kid from Christmas Story, right? Yes, that I is who it is. I think so, yeah. It's, oh, but I loved the Dirt Bike Kid when I was when I was a kid. Oh, that, well, that, it's, it's, it's streaming on Tubi, so. Is it the Dirt yeah. Bike Kid? Oh my gosh, Tubi, damn you, you're going to be taking up all of my time. <laughs> We've got so much good stuff to watch on there. <laughs> But that is going to wrap things up for this episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And you guys stay safe, stay healthy, and always remember, whether you are in your car or in your theater, be sure to check your blind spots. You guys take care, and we will see you next time.